Hello and welcome to the first episode of Latino in Chicago. This is Eric Lugo, your host, and I'm really excited that you decided to tune in. Before we jump into today's interview, I'd like to take a quick minute to share why I've decided to embark on this podcasting journey. Over the course of my career and life, I've had the great privilege of learning from and working with some of Chicago's most visionary, innovative, and dynamic leaders. From nonprofits to business to philanthropy, our community is reshaping the future of Chicago, and our people are working day in and day out to create safer and vibrant neighborhoods for Latino families across the city. I've caught real inspiration from these leaders and the missions they represent. So this podcast aims to be my and hopefully our contribution to the digital catalog of Latino impact in Chicago. I hope you'll subscribe and I hope you'll share with friends, family and coworkers. Our first guest in my estimation is one of Chicago's most dynamic Latina voices. Sol Flores is the founding executive director of La Casa Norte, an organization based on the west and northwest side of Chicago helping over 4,000 families impacted by homelessness. Today we'll hear a bit about La Casa Norte, homelessness in Chicago, leadership lessons, and of course, ways to get engaged. Without further ado, here's Sol Flores. So Sol, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is a, an exciting moment, our very first broadcast, and you are here. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, so now that we are getting into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about La Casa Norte? Yeah, so La Casa Norte is a nonprofit organization started in Chicago, and our mission is to work with young people and families that are confronting homelessness. Yeah, absolutely. So how did it get started? Uh, so in 2016, we are celebrating our 14th year anniversary. So uh, it was 14 years ago in a dark uh, basement in a, <laughs> in a poor church on the west side of Chicago in February when, you know, we hadn't seen the sun in like 45 days. Um, I met our two co-founders. These are two men who were uh, really passionate about the issue of youth homelessness uh, and really committed to making a change and making a difference. Uh, and I learned about their vision for what La Casa Norte would be, and they asked me to join them. Yeah. So how did you find your way to the organization? That's interesting. Yeah, so yeah. I, how I found my way was that I ended up in that church, dark church, church basement, yeah. right, on the west side of Chicago. Um, I, out of school, worked for a company called PricewaterhouseCoopers, and I did management consulting. Okay. It was fantastic, and uh, learned a lot, and helped businesses make more money, and we worked on uh, uh, digital platforms, and these are the latest late 90s uh, when the internet <laughs> were starting to make money for businesses and, and improve processes. And then 9-11 happened and uh, when the disaster at the World Trade Center happened, uh, there was already a uh, recession in place and I got laid off. Mm -hmm. And so as I was thinking about what was next for me, and you know, this is pre- Facebook, pre-LinkedIn, when you had to actually go out and network to meet people and yeah. find jobs, uh, I you can't do that full time. So uh, part of my tradition, how I was raised, was to also volunteer and to do service. So when I wasn't looking for a job, I began doing service at this local church. Mm. Uh, and it was while doing service at this church, I actually ended up getting like three job offers. It was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and this was one of the three, and this was probably like, the most compelling, but the least organized, yeah. <laughs> the least viable of the three at the time. 
It's fantastic. So you're the founding executive director? I am. I'm the yeah. founding executive director for La Casa Norte. And yeah. I, Eric, you know, I really consider myself a social entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, so when people talk about starting businesses, for me, I find there's a lot of excitement around that. Yeah. And for my personal skill sets, I get excited by white space. Yeah. Uh, that terrifies some people. But for me, I'm all about, great, what can we do with it? And yeah. I think it speaks to my strengths of, uh, you know, I did strengths finder test a few years ago. And one of my top five strengths uh, is an activator, yeah. which means like, great, how, what do we got to get done? How do we start? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So what makes La Casa Norte successful? So I think that's a great question. Um, and I always speak to sort of three different elements that I think contribute to our success. First, our community, and we define community in many different ways. It's our local geographic community, it's the Latino community, it's the youth community, it's the homeless community, it's the human services community, right? So community. Secondly, um, our human capital, so that's board and staff, board, staff, volunteers, those mm -hmm. three elements. And then third is our clients, so the mm -hmm. people, consumers utilizing uh, our services. And I yeah. think the way that La Casa Norte has been able to engage in each of those areas has contributed to our success. Yeah. So let me give you one quick example. When we started 14 years ago, it was myself and one social worker. I knew enough to hire one social worker because remember, I'm the social entrepreneur, yeah. not the social worker. Uh, and so, uh, you know, as we're in community, we've got this huge mission, right? We're going to start housing programs. We're going to do all this. Yeah. But, you know, we got $25,000 in the bank. <laughs> um, and I, I got enough to say, hey, look, how do we get uh, the awareness? How do we push out our mission? Yeah. And how do we get some scale around this? Well, you have to be invested in what other people are doing, right? You yeah. just have to become a stakeholder. And so I found myself going to everything in community. Mm -hmm. And whether that was the youth community, the Latino community, the human services community, mm -hmm. et cetera, all those elements that I named before, I was at everything. Mm -hmm. So there would be like an education forum at you know a grade school in West Humble Park, and I'd go there. Yeah. Now, mind you, we didn't have a real program. We don't have any housing. But yeah. people would go, and they say, who's here? Who's invested? Who wants to do something in this community around education at this school? Yeah. And I'd raise my hand and I'd say, well, let me tell you about our mission and yeah. what we want to do. So it's a little bit about presence in it into the world and the world or the universe responded to that. Yeah. And so people got to understand what our mission was, what we were up to doing, and then we started to get input from that, right? Yeah. So we get phone calls, hey, we're doing this, are you interested, do you wanna partner, do you wanna collaborate? That also directly resulted in monies, right? So we got, we get a couple random calls out of the sky. It's like, I heard you're doing something about homeless, and we've got $5,000 that we need to get rid of in the next 30 days, can we yeah. give it to you? Uh, so it's sort of one small example of what we did very early on, and I yeah. think to a degree, we're still doing more of that uh, in different ways and at different levels, but we've always been very much engaged in community. Fantastic. Uh, so community, right? We're talking about homelessness, youth, and ways in which your services are looking to impact young people and families across the city. Yes. So that's obviously leading to this recognition that there are challenges in Chicago. Right? Yes. So all of the great things that happen at this organization for an individual, for a child, yet there are these macro factors impacting people. Can you talk a little bit about homelessness in Chicago, the scale of the problem, and, sure. and how you think about addressing some of that? Yeah, so um, 
You know, Eric, these numbers are difficult to track, not just in Chicago, but across the country. Mm -hmm. So, you know, annually, what we're seeing in the U.S. is around two and a half million children okay. uh, and young people experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. And that can mean I've been homeless for one night or I've been homeless with my family for one year or I've been not with my family and homeless mm -hmm. for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, so the numbers are difficult to track. In Illinois, we think it's around 50,000 homeless students. Mm -hmm. And then as we scale down to Chicago, the Chicago Public School System has counted in the last uh, school year around 18,000 homeless students. Wow. Those are K through 12th graders. Again, that could be one night or I've been alone for the last year. Mm -hmm. And then as we scale further down and we look between the ages of 14 to 21, um, the last numbers and counts are a little under 3,000. Um, young people and that's who we would call unaccompanied homeless youth yeah. here in the city of Chicago So we think that's about our scale and target mm -hmm. when it comes to families also a difficult thing to count mm -hmm. um, You know here uh, not just in Chicago, but across the country the federal government has us do what they call a point-in-time count so every municipality around the country does this point-in-time count every two years. Chicago just completed ours in early 2016, and it said a little under 6,000 people were unsheltered. Mm. Right now, what that means is a team of volunteers went out on a cold January night and searched for people. They searched in cars, under bridges, and we know that that's not the only place where homeless people are showing up, and it's certainly not the only place where families are showing up. Mm -hmm. um, we think the numbers in Chicago are closer to 50,000 mm -hmm. um, individuals and families throughout the course of a year. I think also we want to take a look at the definition of what is homelessness. We use a very prescribed definition by the federal government of someone living outside in a place not fit for human habitation. That's mm -hmm. literally the term. But if you are a homeless mom with her kid and someone has said to you, hey, you know what, you can live in my porch mm -hmm. or you can live in my illegal basement. That is also a form of homelessness and it's something that we're very concerned with and we think about the um, forms and the numbers of doubled up here in Chicago, we think that goes up even more. For sure, for sure. So um, in this area, what do you think Chicago can improve on? So um, I think, you know, you asked before, like, what are macro and what are micro issues, yeah. right, that we can do. I mean, certainly, um, one of the things at a macro level is there's still a need for affordable housing mm -hmm. units, right? So, uh, we help families to become rehoused all the time, or rehousing families. Uh, and one of our challenges is finding an apartment that they can afford mm -hmm. on the wages that they're earning. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a mom who's, you know, underemployed with two part-time jobs or, you know, uh, a minimum wage job that it's not quite 40 hours and not working it's very difficult for her to meet not just the rent but all the living expenses associated with it yeah. we already know poor yeah. folks are so extremely overburdened when yeah. it comes to rent and what the implications are when you're a household that's rent burdened mm -hmm. right so the first thing is we actually need more affordable apartments yeah. I think secondarily um, particularly in poor black and Latino communities here in Chicago, uh, there has been, you know, the breakdown of the core family unit. So we see a lot of young people uh, being kicked out or thrown out. Um, so what are the opportunities? What could we do better as a city and as a community to help reunify and strengthen those families? 
Um, some of our programming has been directed to doing that, mm -hmm. and that means, you know, young person had some strife with their family or abuse or victimization, yeah. had to leave the home. How can we think about, instead of getting them on a track for, let's get your own apartment and da da da, da you know, mostly, Eric, when we were 19, 20, 21, we lived with our families for a very long time. Yeah. So what kind of investment could we make in the family to accept that young person back into their home. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not original mom or dad. Maybe it's a cousin. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's an uncle. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe they need help with their rent. Maybe they need family counseling. I see. So what is Chicago good at, Zoe? Um, I think when it comes to the work that I'm doing, the business that I'm doing specifically, I think Chicagoans uh, are really compassionate. I think um, this city and this region really does represent the heart of the Midwest. And from day one, we have had people reaching out to us, willing to help with a $5 donation or you know a meal, all the way up to you know supporting us financially to really get the organization up and running. Mm -hmm. So I say that's the first thing, is that we've got an amazing uh, population right here in the heart of the Midwest that really does care. I think the other thing that Chicago is good at is, um, you know, we are a city of organizers and organizing mm -hmm. <laughs> and activists. And so people are constantly coming together, whether it's uh, young people, families that are being organized, organizations, churches. Uh, I think we're really good at coming together to talk about issues uh, and, and getting some attention around them. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not that results in the type of impact and outcomes and policy changes that we want, I think that's a different story. But I think we're really good when it comes to coming together to talk about some of the issues yeah. uh, and, and building some bridges. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and like Casa Norte sits in a kind of unique space in that you're a bilingual agency. What differentiates you in that, in that, in that space? Yeah, so we serve anyone and everyone that comes to our door. The reality of who we're seeing in Chicago who's experiencing homelessness are African American and Latino people, mm -hmm. right? Um, when we started this organization, we knew we would always serve everyone, and we knew we'd probably serve more African Americans than Latinos. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to have an intentionality around having cultural capacity as well as a language capacity to be able to serve the Latino community. Yeah. Up until now, uh, in our space, and I mean, thank goodness we're here and we are stand for it, but up until now, and it continues to happen, um, Latinos go traditionally underserved when it comes to safety net services. And that might be issues around language isolation because some services may not be available in Spanish languages that people mm -hmm. don't know about them. Um, two, it could be uh, immigration issues. So if someone's documented or undocumented, they may not know how to access these services. And then I think there's also fear and shame involved with coming forward. I think there's a stereotype when it comes to uh, Latino communities and, and, and poverty and thinking that, oh, the kinship network is so strong that you know family takes care of family. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's, that's certainly true, uh, but it's not true for all families. Yeah. Uh, and we see many um, young people and families throughout the years that have fallen through the cracks. And so that's why La Casa Norte's mission has always been to be able to address them as well as anyone who walks through the door. Yeah. So let's uh, talk a little bit about your role as a leader at this organization. And I'd like to ask what you wish you might have known before you took on the job. Yeah, that's a great question. I think as I, as I reflect, I'd probably have a different answer this week, next week, next month. <laughs> uh, being in it right now, something that I wish uh, that I knew, um, learn how to ask for help faster and better. 
Nice. <laughs> uh, I think we get in our heads and people who uh, take leadership roles take on an enormous amount of responsibility and you feel the burden and yeah. the heaviness of that. Uh, and sometimes you feel like you have to be out there alone. Yeah. Uh, and I already know how to ask for help, but I wish I'd learned how to do it better and faster. Uh, because what it allows you to do um, as a leader or someone really committed to a mission is to take all that wasted energy and apply it to something else that's gonna multiply your outcomes so much more. Yeah, for sure. So how are you adjusting? What are you doing differently today? Uh, so today, uh, I'm I. So what I'm doing differently is today I'm really focused on what I can delegate, what is the best use of my time and skill sets. Mm -hmm. And I think about that from the perspective of even like stewarding what are the best resources, right? Mm -hmm. So we get resources for this organization and is it worth uh, what the donor gave to La Casa Norte to have me work on that? Right. Is it worth to have a director work on it? Is it worth to have a manager? Who should yeah. be working on this issue? Who will it give that person an opportunity to have professional development that's the best use of the resources and that can get the job done, mm -hmm. right? So today I'm really focused on delegation and putting my time and energy against those things that will give us the maximum impact. For sure. And do you have any tips or tricks for folks that are thinking about stepping into the nonprofit space or in particular leadership role in the nonprofit sector? Yeah, I would say uh, it's not a, a trick. <laughs> I'd say it's a commitment <laughs> and a big tip uh, would be uh, find a mission that you are really passionate about. Uh, not, you know, everyone loves people I mean, they want to help people and most people want to help people and don't necessarily uh, work in the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is what's going to keep you there for the long haul is the thing that puts fire in your belly, mm -hmm. right? Like I say, what, you know, what's the thing that, you know, gets my panties in a bunch, mm -hmm. right? The thing that's most closely aligned with your personal value system. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's justice, doing what's just and what's right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I chose this mission and this mission chose me. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say uh, start with that. Uh, and then the work, the opportunity, the leadership level uh, will, will come, the opportunities to grow uh, will come if you are truly passionate about the mission. For sure. And uh, I always like to think about uh, what's kind of in front of folks, right, who are leaders. Um, are there books that you're reading, things that you're listening to right now that are informing the way you think about your own leadership style and growth? Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, I uh, don't get to... <laughs> When I, when I do get some free time reading, I usually like to read fiction because okay. <laughs> I like to yeah. decompress. Yeah. But I did recently uh, get this book, and it was um, If Jesus Was a CEO. Oh. And so <laughs> I am a person of faith, uh, and I believe sort of in, 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 in higher being and spirituality. So I've just started this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's literally thinking about uh, sort of what happens in the New Testament uh -huh. and applying those leadership lessons or those lessons to to leadership today. So I'll let you know how it goes. Fantastic. So, so La Casa Norte just had a pretty big moment, right, with the launch of the foundation project. Uh, yes. Maybe tell us a little bit about that and what's your vision for La Casa Norte? 
Yeah. So we just broke ground on a 50,000 square foot facility known as the Foundation Project. There's two components to the facility. One is known as the Pierce House. It's going to be 25 apartments and housing for homeless youth and families. And the other half of the building is a community center. And the center is going to have a healthcare wellness center. It's going to have a nutrition center, a cafe where people can come in and get a hot meal, but also shop for groceries. It's going to have a drop-in center for homeless youth where they can be off the streets in a safe place. It's also going to have an opportunity for people to get um, toiletries, clothing, uh, and, and, and meet their needs. We're also going to have a really beautiful community gathering space and an art gallery. So we really see this as um, not just touching our local residents, but touching people from across the city. People who are homeless will travel to where there are great services. And so while we know we'll be steeped on the west side of Chicago, and that's where the project's being developed, we know we'll be able to touch thousands of people from around the city. Fantastic. And uh, what are the walls or the barriers to either finishing the foundation project or even going further than that? Yeah, so I think some of the barriers is, as we think about nonprofits, it's really about capitalization and access to capital in order to build assets. So six years ago, we started thinking about this project, and it's taken us six years to get to this point, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas during this time, you know, Donald Trump has built however many X buildings, right? Yeah. Because he's been able to leverage and access capital, obviously not his own, we're hearing all that, mm -hmm. but in a way that nonprofits, small nonprofits, find prohibitive. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I think that's one thing. I think that's a challenge. Uh, we had to do it uh, really an old-fashioned way, right? We had to use philanthropy. We had to go and, and solicit donors to be able to give us this money. Mm -hmm. Whereas we're thinking from the perspective of how developers do the business, mm -hmm. uh, that would make a difference. And so there are lots of success stories with nonprofit developers, but then it gets skewed. Then those are nonprofits that only work on real estate development. Yeah. So we're somewhere in between because we really do see ourselves also as a service provider. We just don't want to build a building and have some affordable units. We also want to make sure that the people we get in there are making the biggest impact. We want to be able to provide the services to them. We want to have greater community awareness and development. We want to really be neighbors in our community, not just be a landlord. Yeah, for sure. And how can folks help? So I always say this, there's a lot of ways that you can help La Casa Norte, but there's even more ways that you can just help your community. Mm. <laughs> uh, and so uh, without just being a commercial for us, I would just encourage your, uh, your listeners to just get involved in any way possible. And that's three things. We talk about it all the time. Time, talent, and treasure. Yeah. So you have four hours once a month to do something, there is a nonprofit in Chicago that can put you to work for four, for four for hours. Sure. You have a great skill set at you know database mining or cooking or you fold clothes really well mm -hmm. or you make jewelry. There is someone can use those skill sets, right? So now you've got time, now you've got talent. And then as we think about treasure, and treasure is two ways. It's really your money. We need your money. Nonprofits need cash donations. Yeah. Nonprofits also need in-kind resources that translate directly into cash. You know, annually we spend about $50,000 on food purchases. If we had that food donated to us, we could use that cash and direct it somewhere else, right? We could have another case manager, another social worker to go do outreach at schools, right? There are other things that we could do yeah. if we had $50,000 worth of food donated to us. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to leave you with is when we talk about treasure, I think sometimes folks say, oh, well, you know, I'm just making it myself, or, you know, when I get that raise at the job, or, you know, maybe in a couple years. And what what I want to say is that most philanthropy and most private foundation are most what I want to say is most philanthropy and most private 
money giving to, to nonprofits actually comes in really small increments. Mm. It's those five, ten, twenty-five dollar amounts uh, that huge opportunities grow out of. Uh, so if you're listening out there and you're saying, you know, I don't, I don't have that extra hundred dollars, yeah. you know, but do you have an extra ten dollars? Yeah. And that makes a difference. Fantastic. Well, so thanks so much for uh, participating in our inaugural episode. Right. I don't know that I was that exciting, but okay. <laughs> no, this was fantastic. I've heard you oftentimes refer to as unstoppable. Ah, I think thank folks, you. Uh, are going to get a taste of that unstoppableness today. Wonderful. Yeah, and we uh, are again thankful, and we'll be in touch soon. Wonderful. Thank you.